And now, back to Answers for Elders as we honor our military veterans. Carriage is the proud sponsor of our veteran segment, hosted by former Seattle Seahawk, Dennis Boyd. This is Dennis Boyd for Answers for Elders, and we're here down at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington, and you may occasionally hear a little bit of music going on in the background as they're having a Hot Rods for Heroes Day here in DuPont. And it's a celebration of our veterans and uh, getting a chance to see some amazing tricked-out cars and trucks that we see out here. So a little bit of information about that background noise. And today with us, we have Captain Bobby Elmore here in DuPont at Patriots Landing. And Bobby, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. It's a privilege. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your military history? I mean, how long did you serve and, and how you got into the military? I served from 1964 to 1967 during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am the daughter of a career Marine who was a China Marine. If there are Marines listening, you know what a China Marine is from the 30s. And uh, after I graduated from college, I was trained to be a teacher and decided I didn't even like that. So what am I to do? And my father said, why don't you go talk to the recruiters? You can go in as an officer. And I said, okay, but I'm not going to join the Marines. And he says, that's all right. And uh, so I'm from Philadelphia, and I went to the different recruiters in Philadelphia, but not the Marine Corps. And after I'd heard them all, and I didn't believe one word they said to me, they said, you're going to travel the world, you're going to wear the best-looking uniforms you ever saw, and I thought, hmm, okay, I'll go talk to the Marines. So I did. (laughs) They took me down to the Philadelphia Navy Yard, and to this grungy-looking captain with a big cigar hanging out of his mouth, he took one look at me, and it was a face like, oh, a woman. And anyway, he went through the whole thing. He says, you have the dumbest uniforms I ever saw. You're never going to leave the United States. He's going like that, and I'm thinking, sign me up. He's given (laughs) me the true story. And that's what happened. So I went in. I was trained in Quantico, Virginia, where the officers are trained. And after that, my first duty station was Paris Island, South Carolina, um, where I was the training aides officer as a second lieutenant. And I was there for 18 months, and I was transferred to Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego, where I was to go as a training aides officer, but I was moved up and became the assistant G3. So I was in the headquarters and the general staff, and I loved it. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It was the best of times because we were in the war up to our neck and everybody was at their peak performance and it was it was just an exciting time and uh, it was the worst of times though because your friends were being killed so I would do it all over again in a heartbeat but anyway uh, did I ever leave the United States because the Marine Corps told me to? No and uh Regardless of what they said, I thought my uniform was pretty sharp. I liked it. I wore it with pride. Can't fit in it anymore, but nevertheless. <laughs> and um, I did some things that other women Marines hadn't done. By the way, when I was in, we were a small group. 
women Marine, especially women Marine officers. And when I was in, there were only 50 of us, uh, from the second lieutenant up to the highest rank, which was one colonel. There were 50 of us. And so I got to do a lot of firsts. And for you flyers, I was um, I shot out of a Martin Baker seat. I was thrown out of a, a helicopter into the drink and rescued by a boat, all part of the training. And I presented the general's colors at a parade, which hadn't been done before by a woman Marine. And anyway, during this time, I met my husband to be. And he was an officer stationed there in San Diego with me. We met uh, when I went to see his boss in, a, in uh, the regimental headquarters, and he came over to me. He said, can I help you? And I went, wow, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> and uh, I never saw you before. <laughs> anyway, we ended up dating, fell in love, and he had orders to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So uh, we went, we've, we took a hop back to Philadelphia. He wanted to ask my dad for my hand, which he did and received gladly. And uh, then he went to Vietnam. And so he was a real hero over there. He, uh, he was on the DMZ for most of it. And during that time, he was wounded he got five purple hearts and uh, a bronze star and after you have three wounds they're supposed to send you home because three three strikes and you're out he was finally medevaced home and uh, we got married but he he stayed in he had more time to go but they had a retraining because he wasn't uh, in any shape to be an infantry officer anymore so they trained him to be a communications officer and a legal officer, and he did that until he retired. So, but I was only in for the three-year stint. Um, you know, you see, I outranked him. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I better get out, because this isn't good. He had friends saying, do you have to salute her? <laughs> well, he became a captain eventually, too. And But anyway... Um, We've had fun with that. So I had a father that was a 20-year Marine uh, and a husband who was a 23-year Marine, a son who fought in Somalia with the Marine Corps, and a son-in-law who was administrator of hospitals in Afghanistan. And then there was me, (laughs) a proud Marine. Tell me a little bit about, I grew up... um with a, a father that was 20 years Navy, but... Uh, That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but he was, uh, again, but at the, the reason, the, the timing on it, in, in 64 and 66, you would start to see the political turn going against being involved over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was that like, you know, being a member of the military, doing what you were ordered to do and asked to do and what we needed you to do, and yet you were getting all of this... Uh, for lack of a better term, just uh, angry uh, vitriol coming out of your citizens. To be honest, I was hardly aware of it. Okay. Too busy trying to engage in a war 
And I think my husband will tell you the same until he set foot back home here and he was shocked. Mm. But uh, I, I, I wasn't really much aware of it. You are a new resident here to Patriot's Landing. Yes. And where did you come from? Well, not far. <laughs> Chehalis. Chehalis, okay. <laughs> but our, you've heard the old story that you better be nice to your kids because when they grow up, they're going to tell you where you're going to live. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? <laughs> the, my daughter and my son came to our place a couple of months ago and said, Mom and Dad, we found a place we want you to live. We think you you deserve something better. Mm-hmm. And they had scouted out Patriot's Landing. Yeah. And they brought us here on a look-see. Mm-hmm. And we loved the minute, the minute we walked in here. It's just unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's needed. It's good food. It's caring and loving personnel that work in here. And they have such a heart for veterans. Yes. And I, I, I don't know the percentage of veterans in here, but it's got to be maybe 90%. You're very close. I think they're up to 86% is oh, the last I heard from Gidget. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so we all have this in common, yeah. and so we're a family right off the bat. Yeah, and it was an interesting conversation with the person before who was saying that you could change bases or be restationed or something like this, but in the military you always knew where you fit. Yeah. That you, you had a, a position, a title, and that kind of gave you that. It's that same feeling here. You kind of you walk in and you know you fit. That's you, right. It's it's very comfortable. We're welcome and, here. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I can see that. And then run by uh, Carriage uh, is the uh, the company that runs Patriots Landing, and they have a very very strong and deep abiding uh, respect and appreciation for the veterans. That's and, very evident. Yeah. It is. Then the other thing is we can when you're never a stranger here because as veterans we can walk up to a veteran of any mm-hmm. uh, branch and you have something to talk about right even away. the navy well <laughs> <laughs> yeah even the yeah, navy yeah even the navy okay they get us to where that. we need to go <laughs> okay all right bobby I, I want to thank you very much for your time and again thank you for your service and uh for ernie for uh, who is her husband who's been sitting here kind of patiently going through this with us also thank you for your service and uh again all the best to you here at patriots landing thank you dennis okay This has been a special Honoring Veterans presentation of Answers for Elders brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.